are meant to call from out of the past stories, strange and weird. Tales of mystery and terror by radio's masters of the macabre. Stories of the supernatural, the supernormal, dramatized by fantasy, the mystery, the unknown. We tell you this frankly. So if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these magnetic plays, we urge you calmly seriously to turn off your radio now. Welcome back to the horror. Thanks for joining me this week. This week's serving of old-fashioned fear comes courtesy of Beyond Midnight series that aired between November of 1968 and April of 1970 over South Africa's Springbok radio station. It was a replacement for SF-68, a science fiction series written and produced by Michael McCabe. This series is written and produced by McCabe as well. 78 episodes were produced. The one we're going to hear is from February 27, 1970. It's titled The Picture. I'm going to adore it here, I really am. Wait, please, I, I mean, it's nothing posh, but comfortable. There's two bedrooms, one big and one small, and the big one's yours. Oh, it's so pretty. What kind of strangers in the middle of Africa? Some parts of the transport are terribly English. Uh, faster, of course. Well, not all of it. There's copies and things. There are parts just like Surrey or Hampshire. Oh, I, I knew you'd like it. I knew. <laughs> Come inside. Come and see, Jane. Come and meet Alfred. He does the garden and cook. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. He's not a very good cook. Darling, I'm here now. I cook. Dragon. Oh, you and your old flowers. Everything that grows in England grows in South Africa, too, and a lot more besides. Remember me telling you about Bougainvillea? Come on. I didn't know they had such fun. James Brooks was his name. He had been in South Africa for three years. Leaving England on an impulse, England and a girlfriend... He had come to seek his fortune in a city called Johannesburg that was said to be made of gold. Within a month, he had decided he might as well have stayed in Sheffield, for there was nothing African about Johannesburg. Then, the city got under his skin, and he saved and bought a small car and began to go on weekend safaris to the Hardybeesport Dam, and once he even drove to Durban. He wrote four times a week to a girl called Jane. And when she finally left Southampton University with an upper second or a lower first or something in history, she flew from a grey United Kingdom into the hard, bright sunlight of Jan Smuts Airport. By this time, he had rented a cottage at a place called Kyalami, where they raced motor cars. And so began in earnest James Brooks' African Adventure. The picture. Biotechs, the new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight. Thanks, Alfie. Super, thanks. Shall we have tea outside? Darling, would you like tea outside? Uh, uh, wait, wait a minute, Alfie. Oh, darling, it's all right. Don't fuss. We're inside now. It's fine. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, uh, Alfie. 
I never met anyone called Alfian before. He's a nice bloke. Good in the garden, too, except he doesn't know the difference between flowers and weeds. <laughs> what, what, what'll you do, Janie? Look for a job. Will you teach? I love you. Four years. I get work as soon as I can. I must pay back my fare. Don't, don't be silly. I love you, too. Seems queer to be able to say it instead of... Instead of writing. I know. Will you marry me? I, I, I meant to wait a bit before asking you. Did you? Yeah. Why? Well, it would have been... Oh, I don't know. More... If I marry you, I won't have to pay you back my fare, will I? <laughs> no. All right, I'll marry you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's 15 cents you owe me for the milk jug. <laughs> and that's how it went on that first day, the day she came to Africa. James Brooks found it quite impossible to sleep that first night. On six occasions at least, during the frog-croaking, cricket-singing night, he got up and padded to her door and listened to her sleeping. Sleeping a confused sleep of airliners and airports, blue oceans and green hills, a burnt brown place called the Transvaal that had existed for her only in a song. In her bright dreams, customs officials and smiling black people danced jigs with elephants and tigers, lions and giraffes and a thousand spear-carrying warriors sharpened their assegais and prepared to make Hollywood come true. Southampton had vanished. Her world had changed. In six weeks, they were married, and the second bedroom was turned into a study, and from there she wrote letters home describing her exultation. Christmas came and went. And Jane Brooks grew brown in the sun and learned more Afrikaans in four months than her husband had managed in three years. The idyll lasted until April. Jane planted a cabbage patch and peas and began to make a compost heap. The idyll lasted until April. much for the transfer being dry at this time of the year. Oh, come on, Jimbo. You're jolly late. Better ring, I suppose. Those sharks have kept him late again. of the dustbin lay on the ground a few yards from the bin itself. Hmm. Ready to be a storm. Twenty to eight. Come on, darling. 
Oh, here comes the rain. Once again, the lid of the bin was off. This time, the contents of the bin had been disturbed. An empty cornflakes packet lay several feet away. A newspaper parcel of tea leaves had burst. I told Alphys I want tea leaves for the compost. And the girl replaced the lid once more, wondering vaguely how it had been knocked off. It was raining, yes, but there seemed to be little or no wind. A dog or something. I watch from the bathroom. I must phone Jimmy. Jane Brooks? Hello? Jimmy! What? Oh, oh, you poor love. Where? Of course not. You'd have all the wheels pinched if you left it. Oh, oh, darling. Well, you mustn't leave the jacket home in the garage, must you? You... You won't. Oh, oh, that's kind of them. Hmm. How long do you think? Are you very hungry, darling? I... Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, by the way, we've got a night visitor. Mm. I think it's a dog. Twenty minutes later, Jane Brooks was crouched in the small cramped bathroom, waiting with a flashlight at the window. She crouched. But nothing came. No dog. Nothing came at all while she waited for James, who had a puncture on the road from Johannesburg the night he forgot the carjack. Nothing came while she waited. <laughs> That's enough of that. Jimmy would think I was crazy. Oh, Jimmy. It's 20 past nine. You've had time to mend 20 flat tires. Oh, Jimmy. 
me wake up. I am awake. You are going to sleep no, again. No, I wasn't. I was thinking. Put a rock on the lady. Can't have come on. Well, he can't. Come on to... Oh. I'll go and see. He went out into the dripping night and found... The rock. What the devil could do that? How many times has it been there? I don't know. When was it I got that puncture? Two weeks ago. No, three. It was a Friday. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, do you think we ought to put something down? It's been about twice a week, isn't it? Poison, you mean? You can't do that. Well, if it is a hyena, like oh, you say. That's all I can think of. It can't be a dog, not even a wild one. Here, move over your great fat lump. <sighs> I'm getting fed up with it, I can tell you. Ugh, you're a wet. Yes, well, it's raining. It's uncanny. He seems to know when we're waiting. What do you mean? Well, it... It never seems to come when we're watching. It's not uncanny. It's just clever, that's all. Oh, all right, it's, it's clever then, same thing. I'll get Roger up tomorrow. He maybe set a trap or something. I told him about it, you know. He said it could be a hyena. Sometimes do get him. Maybe it's escaped from the zoo. No, they'd know. Would have been in the papers. No, I, I'm, I'm not going to put poison down there. That's horrible. Oh, it must be terribly hungry. Look, no more food in the dustbin anyway. Nothing edible at all. Well, I don't. I don't put anything. You know, he's never been at the compost heap. You'd think that's where he'd go, wouldn't you? It's not a very nice diet, compost. <laughs> Don't ever walk out there after dark, will you? Hyena's gonna take your leg off as soon as look at you. Charming. <laughs> Don't worry, Jane, darling. South Africa's perfectly civilized. You're not coming to darkest Africa or anything. <laughs> That's what you wrote to me. Yeah, queer, isn't it? I've never known anything move as fast as... Better than night. We flashed the light almost before the lid hit the ground and... Nothing. That's what I mean by uncanny. I don't understand how anything can go that fast. Oh, perhaps Roger could help. He knows all about traps and animals and things, doesn't he? Mm. And you're drying out now. But probably both get cold. You said it never rained in the winters here. Well, it shouldn't. First year I was here, there was a terrible drought. Hi, darling. Sleep well. Morning, darling. Hmm? Four o'clock. Oh, blast. Still, we don't have to get up early. It's Saturday. Mm. Poor hungry old thing. Coming, grubbing in our dustbin. Roger Sillier, who farmed at Mull's Drift, visited the cottage that next day. He was a hunter, a one-time warden of the Kruger National Park. He knew a lot about animals. It had to be an animal. He looked for spore, but found nothing. 
the winter rain that shouldn't have been passed away and the land became parched and dusty again. A month, two months passed. It was July and the Brooks had forgotten their night visitor. Came the night of the new moon. Jane had just put out the light in the little round bedroom in the Kyle Army cottage. De Wolf. Oh, gosh, it gets cold, doesn't it? Mm, love you. Mm. Oh, wow. It's back again. Oh, who cares? This time, neither of them bothered to replace the lid. The illuminated hands of the clock showed half past three when Jane Brooks went into the kitchen to get a glass of water. Oh, the moon's so beautiful in South Africa. And it's stuffy. They must leave more windows open. Hello, Africa. Hello, world. <laughs> seem to... She walks about. She sees, but... Uh... Uh, Mr. Brooks, sit down, please, won't you? Now, this, uh, this night when it happened, hmm? you say something knocked the lid off your dustbin outside your house. You've had this happen a lot of times, but... Yes, but I, I mean nothing bitter or anything oh, like that. I know that. Now, this has happened many times, and you said you've often watched for it, waited, but... We've, we've never seen what did it, no. Look, the night it happened, it... The lid was knocked off, but it, it was hours later when she... Well, I think she went into the kitchen. Maybe she heard something, I don't know. I don't think so, because, you see, we decided not to bother about it anymore. And anyway, it had been a... Been there for ages. We put a rock on the bin at first, and then we didn't bother. We never put anything it could eat in there after the beginning. But what? Uh, look, I... I Mrs. Mean, Brooks isn't frightened of animals. She's got a... Frightened of animals? No, good heavens. She's never been scared of animals. Why? Do you think she saw a hyena or something? Could it have been that? How could seeing a hyena... I mean, they wouldn't do that to her. How could a hyena frighten her to that extent? From what I know of, I don't think a hyena could do it, no. Oh, they're all very interested in her condition, as they call it. They're like ghouls. 
Well, there's another one of them coming from Cape Town tomorrow, someone called Sex. A Professor Sex. Roger, look, was it a hyena? I don't know. But you looked. I looked, man. Yes, I looked. Well, there wasn't a thing anywhere around. Uh, I, I heard her screaming, and I went in there like a shot. It, it was bright moonlight. Like day it was, and there was nothing, nothing at all. Just, just the lid on the ground, like before. I don't understand. Something to do with that to her. You're staying in Johannesburg now, aren't you? Near the clinic? Yeah. You know what I think? I think she's going to die. Die? James, don't. She is. She's, she's not her anymore. She, she's gone. Gone? There's nothing in her eyes. She, she's had some kind of a shock, James. You know what Rosen said? She, but she's all empty. It's as if she's not there anymore. She just doesn't know me. I feel very stupid about this, James. What can I say? I don't understand it. She saw something that frightened her. Well, frightens are frightens one thing, but it, it, it's as if she's gone mad. And, and the doctors, they don't know what it is. They, he said, Rosen, it was like when people are, are shell-shocked in water. How often did this thing happen? This business with a burn out of the country. You all talk about that. It's got nothing to do with that. Has it? I don't know. It might have. It happened the same night as the dog or hyena or whatever it was came. But a long time after. I, I, I think someone was prowling about, going to break in or something. And when she saw him, he, he frightened the life out of her. A human being wouldn't do that. It sounded horrible when you said that. What? Human being. If you aren't going to stay at your cottage, can I go out there for a few days? Yeah, of course. Uh, but Good. I can take a while off. You've kept on your boy, you say. Can he make good scrambled egg, eh? Roger Sillier went to Kyle Army and stayed for a week. He slept during most of the days and waited with a rifle inside the small bathroom during the hours of night. On the fifth night, Roger Sillier baited a spring trap. In the morning, nothing. He left the meat in the trap throughout the next day, and it began to stink. The flies feasted on it and grew fat and fell helpless crawling in the winter sun. Came the seventh night, and Sillier decided to return to Johannesburg the following day. He decided the Englishwoman was merely neurotic, like most Englishwomen, like most women come to that. He had read everything of interest of the cottage and was considering bed when the cricket stopped singing. When you have been a hunter and you have listened to a million million crickets singing their endless arias throughout a thousand nights, you wonder, you wonder when they just cease for no apparent reason. smell of rotten meat. You like lousy meat, whatever you are. 
And whatever you are, you move faster than lightning. Nothing more that night, though. In the morning, Celia went back to his farm and then to Johannesburg. In the afternoon, he set up three cameras. Each had a flash attachment and a shutter speed of a thousandth of a second. He arranged them with a complex system of wires, one in the Bougainvillea, one on the bathroom windowsill, and the third on the ground, its lens looking up at the dustbin. Before dark, he drove back into Johannesburg to see James Brooks, his wife. Nothing. Oh, I don't know what to do. They can't help at all. They just keep her at the clinic under observation. They can't seem to suggest any treatment other than... usual shock stuff. Uh -huh. Do you know how long it's been? And she still doesn't know who I am. You're going back again? You don't mind? <laughs> no. Well, what good will it do? Whatever it is, it's too fast, Roger. You can't catch it, and if you're watching, it doesn't come. And even if you saw it, well, that wouldn't help Jane, would it? And, and anyway, what if the same thing happened to you? A month passed. Celia moved much of his belongings out to Kyle Army and made himself comfortable. A bachelor, he had no one to answer to for his movements. His farm ran itself. He had a good staff. A month passed. Celia read eight novels, checked the cameras each morning, and grew a little bored. Jane Brooks remained the same. Her husband was told that if he could not think of some way to improve his work, he might lose his job. It was the beginning of September when Roger Celia had the feeling that something was going to happen. He decided to watch that night. He had slept most of the others, leaving the camera's eyes to do their jobs. At half past three, he went to get a gin. And that, of course, is when. But three small bombs of light had exploded in the darkness seconds before. Each camera had taken its impression of the rancid meat eater. Negatives and fluid, bottles and magic, the miracle of photography. The first exposure yielded nothing but a blurred image of grass by night, something that might have been the west wall of the cottage and a bit of sky. The second print might have won an arty European photographic competition, Kyle Army dustbin by night. The third print. Devil is it? Search me, man, I don't know. But whatever it is, the camera sees it, and the naked human eye doesn't. I'm a scientist, Mr. Sullier is a doctor. I can't accept these old black kid. She's just the same, huh? Yes, still, still the same. I'm not trying to teach you your job, but can I make a suggestion that might help? What? Listen, I don't know whether you think it's too much of a risk. Rosen was not interested in the photographer's plan. 
Another month passed, and only these two men knew what the camera had seen. Jane Brooks was examined by four specialists, men from Switzerland, Germany, and Britain, as well as South Africa. No one knew what was the matter with her. There were many long textbook terms banded about, but essentially her condition remained a mystery. Then, with her husband's permission and Rosen's reluctant cooperation, they arranged for Jane Brooks a slideshow. Jimmy, Dr. Rosen, I think this might just at least tell us if she saw us too. Stay close by her, Mr. Brooks. It might distress her. All right. For a moment, the white screen had been filled with a figure. A figure the like of which no man had ever seen before. Like a hyena on its hind legs, dancing in the glare of a camera's flashing, night-splitting eye. A hyena with a hyena's body and a near man's face. A dawn man's face, hideous in its bestiality. The lips were drawn back in a snarl, a silent cry of defiance. Darling, it's all right now. It's all right. Yes, yes. There, there. Please, darling, it's all right. Within the month, James Brooks and his bride flew back to Europe. She was herself again, nervous and depressed perhaps, but essentially herself. And after a while, Rosen assured James that even this would pass. Roger Sillier, who was always of a morbid disposition, rented the Kyle Army cottage and lives there still. The picture was never shown again. There is no point in wasting words attempting to describe the indescribable. Subsequent research revealed that the cottage was built originally on the site of an Ndebele burial ground that dated back to before the white man came to Africa. The Brooks live in Torquay, England now. They have no wish to return to the Transvaal, which is a pity very beautiful most of the time even beyond midnight Presented every Friday night at half past nine by Biotex, the new soak and pre wash powder. That's the horror for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from Beyond Midnight at relicradio.com alongside thousands of other old-time radio shows and our Shoutcast stream, lots to listen to there. If you'd like to help support this and all of the Relic Radio shows, you can donate through the website. Visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. 
Your support makes all of this happen and has for 16 years. Thank you again to all those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back tomorrow with Strange Tales and next Saturday with another episode of The Horror. <laughs>